Scripture today from one of my favorite passages. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put my breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of breath, and breathe on these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, And raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Here ends the reading of God's word. Ezekiel is caught up in this vision. And this vision is one of the most vivid pictures in the whole Bible. It's been in a ton of art. It's been in a ton of literature. Christians throughout history have been fascinated with this passage of the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel is dropped into the valley. The language is actually the same as Israel being dropped into the promised land. But this is not a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a valley of dry bones. Perhaps it is the site of a past battle or an area where bodies are taken to decay. We don't know much about the valley. All we are told is that the bones are very dry. They have no life, no marrow left in them. There's no flesh. There's no meat. Nothing alive. Nothing there. Like the dinosaur bones you see at the museum, you're just stuck trying to guess what this person looked like. There's just nothing to them but bones. They're lifeless. Ezekiel is walking around, and the text implies that he walks around the whole valley. The whole valley. 
So we think of, he just kind of looks around and notices the bones, but maybe this is ours. Maybe this is all day that Ezekiel just walks and sees bone after bone, skull after skull, skeleton after skeleton, trying to piece together what has happened in this place. Ezekiel had seen scary scenes before. He was one of the survivors when Jerusalem was destroyed. He had seen people killed. He had seen the city burned. He had seen houses torn down with people still inside them. Israel was devastated. And now, having been dragged off to exile some maybe 15 years later, there's no sign of hope that they will ever return to their beloved promised land. Besides, what would they return to? It's destroyed. Jerusalem is in rubble. There's no more temple anymore. People are actually having children in exile and they're naming them with Babylonian names. They're losing their heritage. They're losing where they came from. And the prophets are trying to figure out what happened. Is God just weak? Did God just abandon us? What are we to think about our hope for the future? And so Ezekiel walks around the valley. And then God suddenly speaks and says, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel responds, Oh Lord, you know. Oh Lord, you know. Which I have always felt is kind of a cop-out answer, right? Imagine being in school and trying that out. What's 320 divided by 20? Teacher, you know, right? Where's your timesheet for the week? Well, supervisor, you know, right? Just kind of a non-answer. Of course, the answers that are available to Ezekiel are not much better, right? The obvious answer to the question is no. These are dry bones. Best doctor in the world has nothing to work with here. It's a ridiculous question. But you don't want to tell God no, especially when he's talking to you in a vision, right? But how could you say yes in this moment? The logic of your brain say, these are dry bones. This is not healing or resuscitation. It's resurrection. This is not back from the brink of death. This is back from death that happened a long time ago. How could you bring someone back? For us, it would be impossible. How can these bones live? And yet perhaps Ezekiel is giving more faithful an answer than it appears at first glance. After all, he doesn't say, I don't know. He doesn't say, heck no, God, this ain't coming back. He said, Lord, you know. You're the one that has the keys. You're the one that has the power. I can't bring him back. But Lord, if they're going to come back, the only chance they got is you. So God responds by promising life. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Breath is a huge symbol in the Bible. Even ancient peoples, though they didn't understand lungs, they didn't understand oxygen, and they didn't understand how breath probably worked, they did understand that when you stop doing this thing called breathing, it's over, right? There's no more of that anywhere. So if The breath is in you. You have life. And if there's no breath, there's no life. So breath is the symbol of life. So much so that breath, the breath of God is a symbol of God's sustaining life in the world. Remember in Genesis, he creates everything by how? By speaking. And then when he forms Adam out of the dust, what does he do? He breathes life into his nostrils. 
Life comes, and, and part of the understanding of the Old Testament is that when you feel the wind, even the wind that knocks out the heat, you are feeling God's sustaining breath in the world, keeping things going, giving life to all that feel it. So breath is an important symbol. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach, it's just kind of cool to say, ruach. It means breath, wind, or it even means spirit, that your spirit is within you. So God breathes over the world. His ruach is on the world and you have ruach inside of you. And when your ruach leaves, there's no more life, no more spirit, no more breath in you. But God does not breathe directly onto the bones. He has Ezekiel play a part. He calls Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. We think of prophecy as future predicting, but that's really not what prophecy is in the Bible. There's a piece of that. But prophets would speak God's words, sometimes reinterpreting the past, sometimes reorienting the present, and yes, sometimes revealing the future. The prophets of the Old Testament would create metaphors and stories and ideas and poems that would capture people's hearts and minds and try to show them what God is saying to them. It can be hard to be a prophet that has to prophesy to bones, right? It seems futile. I imagine Ezekiel, who's walked the whole land and it's all bones, kind of looking around like, is anybody going to see me prophesy to these bones? If you ever drive by someone and they're prophesying to a dead deer at the side of the road, you're going to have some questions about this person, right? Prophesying to dead bones is ridiculous. Okay, bones. You're coming back. Here we go. God's going to do something. So maybe reluctantly, maybe with some questions in the back of his mind, he looks around, makes sure no one's looking, and he begins to speak to the bones. And suddenly there's a rattling. You know, like a, uh, there's just something going on, and you can kind of hear it like, like wooden wind chimes in the background. And, and this movement starts to happen as the bones start to come together. They start to piece together. And it's, it's kind of graphic, actually. The bones come together. Then sinews start to tie the bones together. Then there's flesh that goes on. Then there's skin, this growth, this life happens in stages. Bringing life to, life to dry bones can be gross. can be stink. It can be messy. How many of you can't stand the sight of blood or any of that kind of stuff? Anybody like that? Imagine Ezekiel, a valley full of all of this, right? I wonder if he got sick. He may have gotten sick. They left that out of the text, thankfully. But it would have been gross. It would have been crazy. All this life coming. And then they all come together, but they have no life in them still. He looks around and they're healthy dead people. Still no life, still no spirit. And so Ezekiel is told to prophesy again, this time to the wind. And the wind, the breath, the ruach, comes through the valley. And the bones receive life. And they stand up, this great army out of these bones that became limpless bodies, limping bodies. And now, a great army stands. God then explains the vision. This is the whole house of Israel. And they keep saying, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. But God is not done with them. They will breathe again. They will stand strong. They will return to their land. The Spirit is coming, and they will rise from their graves. 
once again. Where does your life feel dry? Where do you feel like you are in a grave? What seems lifeless in your life now? Is it your marriage? Your relationship with another person? Is it your spiritual life? Do you feel like God has abandoned you? Do you feel hopeless? Overwhelmed by something big like a diagnosis or a crisis? Do you feel crushed because you're fighting so many battles at the same time? Are you drowning in worry for your country, your families, your children, your great-grandchildren, or your church? Well, I have good news for you today. Just as Jesus came out of the grave, you are not stuck in your tomb. Jesus didn't just become resurrected from the dead. He is in the resurrection business. Not just bringing life where there was the brink of death, but bringing life where there was no life. Life where no life exists. And he sent his Ruach, his spirit to us. Do you remember the Pentecost story? Read it again because the people are waiting in the upper room. They are terrified. They're not sure what's going to happen and what comes. A wind that sweeps through, pours out on the people. That same spirit rushes through this place. That same spirit, that same breath rushes through your life. The breath is coming. The wind is coming. And it may come slowly. For a lot of you, you've had stuff torn apart in your life. You feel like dry bones. You've had loss. You've had grief. You've had pain. And guess what? Life doesn't come to you quickly. Those things don't grow back in a moment. It takes time. And sometimes you feel like your life gets pulled back together, but it still has no breath. It still has no life. And you feel like you're becoming a healthy dead person. But while God's breath comes... While life is on its way, hope is not giving up. And I know on this strange Sunday where I have announced that I'm leaving this church at the end of the year, a number of you are anxious. I've heard the tension in your voice as we've talked this week or we've talked this morning. But I am not as anxious for you as you seem to be anxious for yourselves. I went back and estimated this week. And I have preached in my nearly eight years, nearly eight years here, about 385 times from this pulpit. 385 times. If I preached an average of 20 minutes, and some of you are thinking, I wish. (laughs) But if I preach an average of 20 minutes, that is 7,700 minutes of preaching. About 128 hours. That's a full 5.35 days of me preaching up here. I've poured a lot of my own breath into this church over my years. But whatever life is in this church, it did not come from my breath. It came from my breath, from God's breath. It couldn't come from my own. And I'm sad to leave you all, but I leave you in good hands because I leave you in the hands of someone who's held your destiny from eternity. The hands of the God of resurrection and life. I was not foolish enough to think that I gave you life, at least not on most days. And your lives, your community, this church, 
I see so much life, so much of God's breath in your midst. I tried my best to point it out and tried to reach to teach you how to recognize it. And you are so needed. You must continue to prophesy to this world around you. Your families, your neighbors, your co-workers, this town, this valley. There are a lot of dry bones out there. They need life. And you all are such a breath of fresh air. You are a joy and a laugh. And the world around you needs that. Thank you for our time together. I love you. And I really will miss you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Breath. Amen.